Welcome to Adopted Feels, a podcast about anything and everything adoption related. In today's episode, we're talking about what it's been like living in Korea during COVID-19 times and some of our coping strategies, which have seen mixed success. And in the interests of distraction and frivolity, we end the episode with a random question segment which is something we've wanted to do regularly on the podcast, but I'm just really bad at springing questions on the unsuspecting Hannah. And one last thing. Just after recording this episode, Hannah underwent a COVID scare and got tested. This 48-hour period was not at all amusing at the time, though it occurred to us that it might make a good story later. We wanted to share her experience with you all, so Hannah recorded a separate segment and we've added it in. So today, we're providing another life update of sorts, and we're talking about COVID, like everyone else in the world. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we don't want to add to the like collective anxiety and panic in the media right now, but at the same time, I guess we're both here in Korea, and um, we've been dealing with this for a while now in Korea. Ryan, you arrived here um, <laughs> like three weeks ago? Almost a month. Wow. Yeah. But the timing was really weird because <laughs> literally like the, the day you arrived, things got a lot worse in Korea. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, I had a stopover in Singapore and I got a text message from my mom being like, oh, do you think you should still be going? Um, and I was oh, wow. like, I'm in Singapore, <laughs> transiting through. Um, it was pretty intense for the first, like, I would say, like, week and a half that I was here. And, you know, like, even, like, leaving Incheon Airport, it was like, oh, I'm putting on a mask, and is this just, like, overreaction? And, and then you get on the subway and everyone's wearing one, so you're like, oh, okay, and... I think and it I, just became so normal so quickly to wear a mask. Like, I'm actually quite yeah. shocked by how I'm like, oh, if I don't have something covering my my mouth and, like, tugging at my ears, I feel like I'm missing something. <laughs> like, I think it's weird because, as well, like, coming from a Western country where we don't generally wear face masks, but, like, in Asia, it's, it's kind of commonplace. Like, you know, even when there isn't... Um, a pandemic. A pandemic. <laughs> you know, people just wear masks if they feel, like, yeah. a bit under the weather or, like... Did you before? No. Weather? No. Okay. But, again, for the pollution here, um, I kind so of got were... used to wearing masks. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, anyway, so in Korea, I guess I think it's different from most other countries because we've been dealing with it for... I'd say, like, about two months. It's kind of been, like, a long, hard slog already. And I think, I guess, generally, because of the Korean response, things have kind of gotten under control here. And I guess we've been impressed by, like, all the different measures in place. Mm. So they include constant, like national updates that you get on your mobile phone and you you can't like opt out of them or anything um and so we'll get generally we'll get multiple updates per day about different cases that have popped up really alarming sound it's a horrible sound yeah it's like wait what's it like (laughs) imitate it (laughs) (laughs) it's okay it's something like this it's like yeah. They're like really long beeps and they go for like ages. Yeah. yeah. And then you, if you're out, you can just hear everyone else's phones yes. going off. Yeah. And it's this real, yeah. And they're in Korean. So for me, like the first few days, I was like screenshotting it and then running it through Papago, like Korean yeah. language recognition, just to be like, what is going on? I can't, I can't understand anything. Um, but then there's like an emergency ready app, which just translates things and then you get it like a few minutes later so that's been good so I feel like it's um actually forced me to look out for certain resources like English translation or English speaking resources and I feel like once I got onto those like the right websites and the places to get 
the um, English briefings and the phone apps and yeah. um, the map, I actually felt a lot better. Like, even though it's, like, alarming to see the numbers rising so quickly, you yeah. can kind of also get a sense of what the state is doing and how the state has tracked people and their routes and their, like, who they've come into contact with, which is all, like, quite scary from a, like, surveillance and power point of view. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time has, I think, created a sense that, okay, well, we know where people are contracting it from and we know where they've been it's not like any random person on any random street corner like there's a bit yeah. more like knowledge i guess that they're providing people with which i feel like the kind of personality i have actually does make me feel calmer yeah i don't know if that's been your experience or um yeah no i'm generally like really impressed with um all the information that's available um I don't tend to look at those maps of like where the um, yeah the existing cases are because I don't know I I just I I don't even really want to know if there are, I think there are like a couple like right in my neighborhood but I yeah <laughs> um, I think it's also impressive like how with um, the face masks um, how the the government initiative to and I know this is like really boring for our like. <laughs> listeners who also live in Korea but, um, so with the face masks you can buy two cheap subsidized face masks per week on your um, designated day depending on the year you were born and there's also an app um, to show you like which pharmacies still have like masks in stock and things like that and we haven't really run out of anything like toilet paper or groceries Mm. That's good. Masks have only been the yeah. thing that can be difficult to find, right? Or, yes. like, in my case, because I don't have national health insurance, I've just had to buy, like, the inflated-priced ones. Yeah, to be honest, mm. like, yeah, it sucks to pay $4,000 for a mask instead of 1500 but luckily, like, for me, that's affordable. And I also don't dispose of them every day. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> Aren't you supposed uh, to? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think it depends on how many hours you use it per day. So okay. I've been like generally staying around where I'm living. Yeah, if I yeah. have a few days where I'm only out like yeah for a couple hours at a time, then I'll just reuse it. I have some like um, washable ones as well. I got this one. It's got, got like a a bear mouth on it. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, and at work I have to wear them like all day. So like for nine hours a day now I have wear a face mask. And um, actually sometimes it feels a little bit kind of suffocating. <laughs> so it's nice on the weekend sometimes to like go outside in the fresh air like Peel it off your yes, face. Yes, feel, feel the air, like, caressing my cheeks. <laughs> anyway, so I think, I don't know if this sounds kind of selfish, but um, at the moment, I am kind of um, reassured to, to be here in Korea, actually, rather than Australia, and I'm... I kind of didn't expect things to play out this way, but um, not only because of the the measures to control the, the virus, but also because we obviously don't have to deal with any racism here. Yeah, I'm sure our listeners are aware of like, yeah, yeah what's been going on in other Western countries. Mm. Um, do you also feel relieved about that, like not having to deal with that? So, a weird question. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think not having to deal with racism on top of everything else that, yeah. you know, you're dealing with and being bombarded by and, like, the kind of, like, for me, I've been in, like, ups and downs of, like, low-level anxiety and, like, sometimes where I'm, like, feeling actually really quite anxious. If I had to deal with racism on top of that... Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, for, for people's, like, physical and mental health, like, that would 
I am, I am too selfishly happy that I don't have to deal with that additional sort of dimension. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like even, I think like even a certain kind of look or like a really subtle kind of like, um, you know, someone like very subtly like distancing, like that moving away from me or something like that. I think that that kind of thing would upset me if I was dealing with that right now, you know? Oh, like, yeah, because you're Asian, so you must be infectious. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, so you also like alluded to the <laughs> anxiety. When I first got here, I think for the actually like maybe the first week and a half there it was like pretty bad. I just don't think I really re even recognized it. And then I think I just started to feel like okay, yeah, wearing a face mask is, no is normal. Washing your hands a lot, carrying hand sanitizer. Like once I kind of got used to the government alerts and used to checking the information, I was like feeling like okay, like I'm informed and being informed and getting a lot of data for me helps and I knew where to go to get the information so I could be like oh I'm just gonna check this twice a day right or something like that um, and then feel on top of it but then once in the last few weeks when the numbers in Europe just all of us just started to like rise exponentially I feel like my anxiety came back yeah I don't know if you you were feeling that too um well I've had, I'd say, uh, two definite, like, anxiety spirals now. Um, so basically, like, when I felt, like, a little bit tired or um, I hadn't, yeah, I hadn't slept well or I was, like, a bit hungover or, like, you know, for two days I had this, like, slight temperature. Like, of, it was 37.4, so it's, like, you know, it's, it's not technically, like like a fever it's still in the normal range but it's like definitely above like my usual body temperature <laughs> and I was I was kind of terrified I don't know I just um because I just started this job and I just for, for me practically in my life I was like I um I can't lose this job I can't be the person to like bring the virus into the whole company <laughs> like um and and I was like, yeah, super panicked. And I mean, I didn't actually technically have any definite symptoms at that stage. You know, I didn't have any, um, like, upper respiratory um, symptoms. Yeah. But yeah, I was, like, convinced that I, I had the beginning of coronavirus. And then I called the hotline and uh, it was, like, kind of reassuring. Kind of. <laughs> yeah. I think also the, the worry and, like the stress over potentially having it mm. I think also creates its own like snowball effect of wearing you down yeah so it's like a cycle or something that's quite hard to get out of so the reason why I felt like the um, spike in numbers in Italy like was like a real turning point was because I think like, I'd been so focused on what's happening in South Korea, yeah. obviously because I'm here, we're here, and obviously keeping my eye on China's, like, numbers, but I think that allowed me to be like, this is, like, a health issue, and do I feel like if I were to get sick, I would receive good or adequate health care in Korea? Yes, I think that I would, and, like, yeah. um, Korea was, like, quite clear about you know, like the the free testing and the free medical care, et cetera, et cetera. So I was like feeling pretty comfortable with that. Once it just became this like global <laughs> thing, um, then the longer term consequences and the like non non directly health related consequences, so like the financial and economic and political consequences, I think just became like super overwhelming. And I think that's probably when and why, like this, my I've started to become more stressed out. Yeah. Even though Korea's rates are gradually declining. Yes. Um, and we've seen, with the exception of like two days, right in the last week, it's been under a hundred new cases a day. 
Um, and Korea's quite quickly gone from, like, outside of China, the worst affected country to, like, I think we're, like, now the seventh or mm. something, which is also scary in its own way, but... Yeah. Yeah. So since you've been here, have you considered cancelling this research project and going back to Australia? Well, actually, the first week I was here, I wasn't sure if my research would actually... Uh, I wasn't sure if the organization would honor the fellowship mm. because things were just changing so quickly. Um, I also didn't hear from them for a while. So there was a bit of uncertainty with that. Once I met with them and they seemed fine with me being here and they were like setting it up for me, I was like, okay, so that's, they're not too worried. So I should, you know, not be too worried. Um, I think the last week it's kind of changed. So for those of you who don't live in Australia, um, you might not know this, but Australia decided, I believe it was on Tuesday or Wednesday, they put out a statement saying all Australians overseas or travelers overseas should think about coming home now um, yeah. by commercial means. And then the next day they announced that they were going to completely close Australia to any non-residents or non-citizens, hmm. um, which then obviously created a sense of urgency. And I think it's like when you realize... It's no longer, when am I going to make the decision to go back? And it became, you might not be able to go back. I think that that was also like quite, quite a turning point. And then, you know, this is probably like kind of boring and tedious for people to listen to, but um, even just like looking for routes home was kind of stressful. Yeah. Because... Not only did you have to look at like which airlines were flying, you had to look at the policies for each transiting country, many of which still bar s South Korean travelers. So it's like, okay, so I could, could I go via Singapore? There is a flight, but no, they won't take me. Yeah. Um, could I go via Indonesia? As of today, no. You know, so keeping abreast of all the different uh, countries' immigration policies was is also like, kind of like it takes hours to like do that research yeah so i think the like dawning realization that unless i risk getting stuck in a third country where i have no support network no insurance no income or i stay here where thankfully i do have those three things but that also means that am i just going to be here indefinitely am i going to not be able to go back if my partner is ill or if my mm. family is ill like that that just like changed things I think for me. So I am going to consistently look for options uh, to return. I just don't know when those options will open up. I'm really hopeful that because China has resumed some of their travel and has resumed some of their economic activity that hopefully other parts of Asia are not too far behind and in which case my best option at the moment is to wait for Hong Kong to accept South Korean travelers again, at which point apparently Qantas is going to keep open that route between Hong Kong and Australia, which is probably the best bet at this point. Right. <sighs> Sorry, that was very long and... <laughs> long and convoluted way of saying this is like a rapidly changing situation and it's like, it's quite stressful. <laughs> It sounds like, though, you've really thought through it um, carefully. You, you have a plan, like, more or less. Not necessarily, because the other kind of stressful thing is, like, even if I were to get on a plane, um, mm. which could change by the time this episode comes out, um, <laughs> one of the only options left is Thailand. Um, but Thailand requires a negative COVID test for you to even transit there. Um, which needs to be signed by a GP. And so for me to be able to go to a testing center, get a COVID test, get it negative, get a doctor to sign off on it, which needs to be done within 48 hours of departure, like that, I just don't wow. even know if I could do that. Yeah. Um, and, all, and meanwhile, the cost of tickets is going up. So it's just like, if the, is there an option? Could I actually meet the requirements to take that option? And then also... What if Thai Airways decides on the day I'm traveling back that they're going to stop flying to Australia and then I'm stuck in Bangkok? Like, I don't, I don't really want to risk that either. Yeah. So, 
So no, I don't really have a plan. I'm just going to try and remain informed and speak to, um, I've called like the Australian embassy here. Yeah. Um, yeah. So just make sure I'm getting all the updates and stuff. Um, in the meantime, I've, I'm looking into whether or not the, um, research that I'm doing could be extended if I'm still stuck here at the end of June um, so that I can legally stay here Mm -hmm. um, because my visa runs out on on the 25th of June. Yeah, so I'm looking into that as like an option. Okay, so should we try and like switch tracks now to like (laughs) ways to stay sane and (laughs) um, which is different for each of us. So I think one of your strategies is definitely like to stay informed and I think for me though I try like <laughs> I'm trying to like kind of limit my exposure to um news and social media and even email <laughs> instant, I think like because I know that every time I open my phone basically um it's going to be COVID related and um, I just, I don't find it helpful beyond, um, like, five minutes a day, twice a day is probably, like, I don't really need um, more than that, really, because the, the media is all just so saturated and because, like, yeah, again, we've been, like, dealing with it here for, like, two months or so, intensely, yeah. So, so that's one thing that I try to do, um... So limiting to five-minute intervals. Well, I, I mean, I totally don't do that, but that's what I think. That's about as much as I think would actually be um, required to stay updated uh, and um, helpful. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I'm yeah, I'm currently on Instagram a lot more than like five <laughs> minutes a day, twice a day. <laughs> um, yeah, I think yeah. you're right. Like, there's. There's a difference between being informed and being completely crushed by how much information is out there and how many articles and how many, like, opinion pieces and just, like, the content Mm. is just, like, And people's emotions about it, you know, because naturally people like sharing how they feel on social media and things like that. And I think that's also the difference, like... The first two weeks I was here, my social media didn't look like how it looks now, right? Obviously because it was still relatively concentrated in China and South Korea, Mm. Japan, Singapore. Whereas now it's like, it's everything, like, on my social media, which even though I'm feeling, from a health point of view, pretty comfortable here, that's not reflected in the content I'm consuming when I go online. Yeah. And, like, it's really, you know, really terrifying to, like, see some of the stories and some of the concerns people have, like, very, very um, legitimate concerns about access to medication or whatever. Um, but that, that brings on a whole other level, I think, <laughs> I think of, um, of uncertainty about how this is going to pan out and how this is going to ultimately affect everyone. Actually, that brings up a point. So, um, I was watching uh, an, a transracial adoptee panel on um, on YouTube on the Not Your Orphan channel, and yeah, they would. I think they have a series of COVID-related conversations, and um, they were talking about how for a lot of adoptees, we're kind of already in survival mode and we kind of already have like a heightened sense of um, hypervigilance and and anxiety perhaps. <laughs> so, That's not funny. Either. No. <laughs> we're so inappropriate. This is like... No, no, no. It's that like knowing chuckle? No. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, right, so it just yeah. like compounds uh, already existing base level of yeah of um arousal is that the right word? <laughs> yeah, and I think that's a really good point, and um, I don't know how you've been feeling, but I've also found it 
I don't know, I'm struggling with the words, but I guess, I mean, obviously this whole situation is very unexpected. I'm not prepared for what it's like to be in Korea trying to, like, find out how my birth mother is and to not receive a response. And it's like, mm. I don't, I don't know if she's okay. I don't know if her family's okay. And even though I'm like, quote unquote, closer to her when I'm here, um, it's just like, I, I just, yeah, I guess it's like you worry, but you don't want to get paranoid. But I'm sure, yeah, so basically I'm saying like, I'm sure that there are quite a number of adoptees that are, especially when South Korea was outside of China, the most, um, affected country was were you know worrying about birth family that they may or may not have ever met and how they are coping um and if they are losing their jobs or if you know like how they're being impacted so it's it's also been kind of weird here like you know every once in a while like wondering how she is and then but she doesn't reply so you know it's that's that's been kind of tough yeah. too yeah yeah i guess that's just a really tough situation anyway if if you're the one reaching out and you know, you, you know that she has been receiving those messages, but um, but not replying for whatever reason. Yeah, yeah. I, I have no yeah. idea why, but yeah. Yeah, she could have very good reasons not to reply. I, just, I don't know. It's just, the, it's just like that's another type of unknowing or uncertainty yes. on top of all the other <laughs> uncertainty. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I just would appreciate like, yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> like something, yeah. you know? Yeah. Do you think in a weird way, and I know this is this is probably getting a bit like pseudo spiritual or something, but like, is, what are you gonna say? <laughs> is this situation like somehow like teaching us to like be more okay with the uncertainty of life? Like, in some kind of like Zen Buddhist way. <laughs> I don't know how to answer. Do you feel like it is for you? Um. Well, I just think maybe in some small way, it's a test to try to stay grounded and not succumb to like mass panic, because I don't think that's helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, and I also don't think it's helpful this is just me personally to think and talk and read about covid constantly and you really easily could right now mm. like no matter where you are mm. and i mean so another th one of my strategies um in dealing with this is definitely to voice my concerns to others like especially when i'm like feeling anxious about certain things or you know I'm worried about my family back in Australia and and you know my my mom particularly has some existing respiratory issues and you know like most of us our parents are kind of um riskier groups yeah yeah, yeah. um so I find that helpful but I also just like just, but just to set some boundaries for myself in in more whatever way like to like I think this is true generally to like try and curate the in some ways like the, the content that you're consuming like in your life in general yeah. and I think particularly now but I don't know it's just not personally like yeah as I mentioned good for me to um to consume this like constant diet of 100% COVID news or yeah. you, you know yeah um totally anyway I've I've also kind of like loosely instituted that I'm only gonna look at the news in the morning so that I'm not bringing that into like the night when I'm trying to sleep and I've had oh, I've yeah. had issues with like falling asleep and staying mm. asleep um since I've been here and I think it's clearly related so things like that and I'm realizing that you know I've curbed a lot of the social activities that I think I would ra I would otherwise be doing mm -hmm. um like trying to avoid, you know, subways as if I can and whatever. Um, and I think finding ways to be outside or like go for walks yeah. or um, just remove yourself from all that electronic content and yeah, find places where you can just like 
kind of chill and like stretch your legs and things like that, I think um, I'm realizing that I need to also schedule that in. Yeah. So um, what other soothing activities have we been attempting lately? <laughs> so I booked a massage and I know that some of you in like, depending on where you live, like your cities might be in lockdown or, you know, you might have enforced quarantine so you can't get a massage. But anyway, I got a massage but it kind of backfired because, <laughs> because I thought I had, um, I'm sorry, this sounds so trivial but I thought I'd booked a hot stone massage and like with the language barrier and everything I'd seen apparently I just like asked for just a regular massage which was like really painful I was basically pummeled for an hour <laughs> and I was like waiting for the hot stones to come out and I couldn't like communicate with my massage therapist so I was just like I was like waiting waiting because like they usually come out towards the end I think and, and they just never came out <laughs> And then at the end, the receptionist is like, oh, your massage therapist wanted me to tell you that, um, yeah, like, your lower back might be sore for a few days after following the treatment. <laughs> so anyway, my massage backfired. Wasn't relaxing. No. Um, you've been reading, but <laughs> <laughs> that also backfired? I would, like, say to, like... Think about what books you read because I was like, oh yeah, I'll just take my mind off it. Um, and I'll read The Surrender by um, Chang Wei Li. Right. Um, <laughs> which, like, is basically this, like, really tragic, full on intense story about a Korean War orphan. So, like, that, that was just, like, not at all helpful for my, um, <laughs> oh, God. my sense of relaxation and being able to sleep so um it's a really good book but i <laughs> i think i should have read it under uh, other circumstances <laughs> um but also that being said i've also found it kind of hard to focus on reading mm. so yeah i think that you know people that have said things like oh take this opportunity to like be productive and like get writing and reading done and I'm just like I am like I don't know how other people are able to do that but I am not being productive at all like I am like slowly slowly getting through my research yeah but like my ability to read and focus and concentrate is has been quite derailed to be mm. honest um so if people have techniques for how to like do that like I'd love to hear from you but just personally I feel like it's totally okay that this time is a completely non-productive time. Um, I'm giving myself permission to just completely veg out, nice. you know, if I need to. Yeah. I don't think it's worth putting that pressure on myself to, like, be like, oh, this is the perfect time to write that article or whatever. Like, yeah. I just don't think I can do it. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of vegging out, do we have any... <laughs> TV or movie recommendations? No, but there's this show that's being filmed right near where I'm living. And every time I walk past, there's, like, people taking photos out the front of it. Oh, ET1 class. ET1 class, yeah. yeah. Are you watching that? No. I actually... I've heard, like, mixed things. Have you tried it? Mm -mm, I haven't okay. tried it yet. Mixed things. Okay, you're, you're not going <laughs> to tell I've heard mixed things, but I think it's, uh... I think it's pretty much... It's finished. By the time this... Oh. This episode, um, our podcast episode comes out, it will, I think the last episode will have been released on Netflix. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I have this one friend who's, um, I think, like a considerable uh, K-drama connoisseur, uh -huh. and I, I think her like final verdict was like, mm, it's okay. Okay. So I'm not going to bother <laughs> if it's just... <laughs> I don't know. I mean... Um, it's been really popular though, so... Mm -hmm. And I've noticed that on Netflix, it's one of the ones that has English subtitles. Because a lot of, like, the Korean shows don't have English subtitles really? on Netflix. Yeah. I thought most of them did. Mm. No, there's lots that don't. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have your own Netflix account, or do you, like, mooch off someone else's? My mom's. Yeah, I feel like <laughs> most people just, like... Same. Like, it's my parents' one. Yeah. yeah. Like, who has their own account, you know? Grown-ups. Grown-ups have their own account. <laughs> <laughs> and for a while, I was using, like, 
my friend's ex-boyfriend's account. I was using it like for ages. I didn't think he minded. Anyways. Okay, so this is coming from someone that only recently paid 99 cents for um, Spotify Premium for three months. So I do not have my own subscriptions to anything. You, it was a promotion, so you paid 99 cents. Yes, because I've had Spotify free for so long that they yeah. keep being like, try premium, try yeah. premium, you can have it for a dollar or 99 cents. And so because Korea doesn't have Spotify, yeah. I was like, I'll just, I'll just invest that dollar to get me through three months in Korea being yeah. able to listen to yeah. Spotify. I love Spotify Premium. And actually, I've done a dodgy thing, and I don't think they're going to find out by listening to this podcast because I, yeah, I don't think Spotify's going to do that. Anyway, so they have a student rate now. Oh. I am no longer a student, but my sister is. And so I managed to pay. The student rate is like half the regular price. Yeah. Which is what? Which is like $6 a month or something. It's pretty good. So Spotify usually costs $12 a month. Yeah, I know. And I, so I know that sounds like a lot, but know, for me, it's like really worth it. I, don't, I just love it. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, I mean, that's 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 fair. But like, now I'm like, shit, like I really got a good deal of 99 cents for three months. Well, you did, <laughs> but then you'll be addicted to it after the three months. Yeah. Anyway, um, and on the topic of oh, recommendations out. Yeah, my recommendations. No, is that well? This is like an oblique reference to the the other way that you've been. Oh, so is this which probably like... doesn't involve vegetables, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think vegging out does. It's all snack food, right? That's it's kind of like a um, <laughs> it's a misleading term. So sometimes I don't know. I I kind of like just fill up a shopping cart on like Coles online or Woolworths online with like Australian snack foods that I miss <laughs> because I had this plan that I was gonna get like a big order delivered to my parents' house and then that maybe they would, like, ship it over for me or something like that. Oh, so there was a concrete plan. This isn't there just, like, a wish a plan. list. Well, there was also kind of a wish list, but then, yeah, with the supermarkets, um, with, you know, all the panic buying and stuff in Australia, Coles Online, last time I checked, was just, like, down for, like, maintenance. Oh. And Woolworths was, like, sold out of a bunch of things... I heard they're not even going to deliver online. Yeah, no, they don't even yeah. deliver or something. Yeah, so. Unless you're like certain. Or something like, customers. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Um, so or it, I fill my Hague's shopping <laughs> cart. <laughs> is it like the like ritual of like finding things you like and like clicking and like adding it to the cart? Like what is the like. I don't know. It's just kind of like. Um, it's this weird, like, virtual shopping for, like, these foods that I really miss, like, like, barbecue shapes and, like, salt and vinegar chips and, um, you know, all this Easter chocolate that we're just not going to get here, you know. What kind of Easter chocolate do you (laughs) Well, we're not going to get anything here. I mean, well, you could probably... But what do you miss? Well... Like, Easter chocolate's just, like, normal chocolate, but it's, like, in the shape of an egg. Well, I guess so, seasonal things <laughs> oh um, like cream eggs and stuff yeah so I mean cream eggs are like um, really disgustingly sweet egg? but it's like such nostalgia for me mm. um, also I wanted to try the caramel eggs I saw those on Coles online <laughs> um, yeah like <laughs> Just like um, it's nice to have like one chocolate bunny per season, <laughs> per Easter season, <laughs> and I'm not gonna get any here. Yeah, so you know, yeah, stuff like that. <laughs> so yeah, I, um, sometimes I do that. Any other tactics? Oh, I've been strategies. petting some of my friends' animals. I feel like mm. I've become closer to some of my friends' pets um, in the, the last few weeks. It's kind of soothing. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, so I'll be like, can I come over and, like, spend some time? Can you, like, check in with um, 
your pet and let me know. <laughs> um, because again, like um, social distancing and, and quarantine and stuff here in Seoul at least has been um, less enforced. I don't want to sound like really irresponsible, like <laughs> more irresponsible than I, than I am on this podcast, but um, yeah. Yeah, no, it definitely, it doesn't seem to um, be as widely followed as what I, th I think we're seeing in, like, other countries. Yes. I have this theory, by the way. Uh-huh. So you're, like, a dog person, right? Pretty Yes. Yeah. yeah, and I'm a cat person. Okay, where's this going? So my theory is that, okay, so sometimes I will ask a straight man if they're a dog or a cat person, and even if they're a cat person, they're kind of, like, They'll just say, like, oh, I like both. I feel like this is, like... What? <laughs> I feel like sometimes, um, like, your average, like, cishet guy will not own up to being a cat person if they are, because, like, I... <laughs> oh, because it's not, like, as masculine yes, as Yes, yes, it's not, like, manly or something, or it's, like, I don't know. But I think secretly there are a lot of men who are cat people. There must be. Yeah. But they all, but they respond with like, oh, you know, oh, I like both. I like, you know, both equally. Oh. Yeah. We might have to cut that. <laughs> that was random. Theory. I feel like it has some weight behind it. I can see why you have that theory, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> Never thought about it. So on Sunday, when we recorded most of this episode, the Korean government really ramped up its dialogue about social distancing, with a national text message advising two meters of space between people, which is of course next to impossible at any time on line two of the Seoul subway, and also a bit surprising after two months of dealing with COVID here in Korea. In any case, it leaves me feeling pretty guilty, to be honest, about my social activities during the past couple of weeks, despite vigilant mask wearing and hand sanitization. On Sunday night, I fall asleep bone tired, knowing that I've overexerted myself on the weekend, but hoping to get away with it. On Monday, I go to work as usual, but on Monday night, after an evening run, I feel mucousy. I know that's not a word, but you know what I mean. And I wake up during the night with a blocked nose and sore sinuses. The next day, I know that I'm sick and I'm almost too nervous to go to the pharmacy and ask for cold medication in case they want a detailed breakdown of my symptoms and send me to the nearest testing center immediately. As the day wears on, I feel increasingly tired with my sore sinuses and now a sore throat. Well, at least I don't have a fever, I think to myself. It's almost time to leave work for the day, which is just as well because I really don't feel well. On some days, I feel so paranoid that I've taken to carrying a thermometer around in my bag, so I quietly take it into the bathroom and check my temperature. 38.1. I internally gasp and return to my desk. My team members are helping themselves to the enormous can of potato chips I brought into the office. And as they reach their hands into the can, I imagine myself infecting all of them and everyone else in this company of almost 400 people. Me, the new employee, the foreigner that they hired even though she doesn't speak Korean. The irresponsible weekend dirty stopout. In Korean offices, everyone has cacao talk installed on their desktops. And I still find it novel that employees chat not only with each other, but to their mothers, friends, and Tinder matches that have been migrated over to cacao during the workday. I quickly asked two of my friends if either of them will meet me at a testing center for moral support, and they immediately agree. It's better to know than unwittingly spread it amongst my colleagues, I think to myself. So I meet the geographically closer friend at the Yongsan Public Health Center. At the center, we spot each other from opposite sides of the street, both masked, and she sees the terrified look in my eyes. 
I would give you a hug in different circumstances, she tells me, so I'm sending you a virtual hug. We finally locate the testing centres, two large white tents with some tables and forms to fill out. It's deserted apart from the workers, and there's something so dark and depressing about the whole scene, but I just want to get this over with. I start writing my name and address on a form when a tall young Korean worker comes over and asks where I live. You can't get tested here unless you live in the district, he insists. You have to go to the Mapogud office testing centre. I drop my pen and look up at him as if to say, are you serious? There is literally no one else here. It's already almost 9pm. Mapogucheng is a good 30 minutes away by taxi. My friend, whose Korean is much better than mine, asks if I can get tested here instead, and then asks if he knows the hours of the Mapo testing centre. I don't know, he shrugs. I feel this panic and desperation just rising in my chest. I look at my friend, and I can tell that she thinks we just need to get moving, so I start to back away. But at the same time, I can't help it. I start yelling at this guy in English. I'm walking backwards, and I'm yelling... This is ridiculous. There's no one here. Don't you understand that people are really anxious right now and other probably unintelligible things that I've since forgotten. We take a taxi straight to the Marple Centre. I ask my friend if she feels okay about taking a taxi with me and she says yes as long as I sit in the front. I'm too nervous to speak for most of this taxi ride. I think about all the people I'll have to tell if I have the virus. I wonder if I'll lose my job. I don't think I could actually cope for weeks completely alone in my apartment, I tell my friend. The Mapo testing centres are similarly deserted. The workers, dressed in plastic suits and eye goggles, are friendly and ask me about my symptoms. And also whether I travelled overseas or to Daegu recently, whether I've been in contact with any confirmed cases, and whether I'm involved in the Shincheonji church or any other Korean churches. The answer to all of these questions is no, but in the current climate, they still can't rule out COVID. I move into a second tent with a nice doctor who speaks some English. He takes two swabs, pushing a long stick uncomfortably far up my nose and another one uncomfortably far down my throat, and then it's all done. Your symptoms aren't typical, he says kindly, so don't worry too much. My friend and I share another taxi home. We were both really hungry by this point, and usually we would eat together before parting ways. But instead, we stand on the sidewalk, two metres apart, and chat for a while before hailing a taxi. And I half cry, half rant, as I gnaw at the huge piece of focaccia she has bought me from the baker's table as a congratulatory COVID testing present. It feels like a relief to have been tested in itself, And now it's just a waiting game. I inform my manager about it, and she's really good about it. If she's at all worried for her own health, or the rest of the team, she doesn't show it. I can work from home for at least two days until I get the results. I've heard of people who got their results within 12 hours after the test, but I also know it can take up to 48 hours. Please be fast, I think to myself. The next day, I make a coffee... I check my phone, I take a shower, I check my phone, I put some laundry on, I check my phone, I hear a text message alert around noon while I'm hanging out my laundry and rush back inside, heart thumping against my chest, but it's just coupang, fucking coupang. I try to focus on my work and thankfully I have a deadline due by the end of the day to distract me. Around 7pm, less than 24 hours after my test, The result arrives. I leap up from my computer and breathlessly run the message into the Papago translator. Negative. I translate it again, just in case. I forward it to my manager, who speaks Korean very well, for her reference, and just in case. I call my parents in Australia, who, for the first time since COVID emerged in Korea, have been very concerned about me during the past 24 hours. I'd like to say that I'm grateful for my supportive friends, especially the special friend who was willing to drop everything and share taxis with my potentially virus-inflicted self. Even if I had tested positive, I think I would have had the support to get through it here, 
which says a lot. I'm also grateful for free, easy testing in Korea and fast results. But no other reflections for now. It's been a big fucking 24 hours. Alright, so we're gonna wrap up this episode with um, some frivolous. more frivolous stuff. Yeah, we'll see if it works. Okay, so we've prepared three really random questions for each other to like just to take our minds off COVID briefly. And we haven't shared them with each other yet. No. So Actually, I think I've mentioned one to you before, but it doesn't oh. matter. <laughs> All right. <That's> cheating. <laughs> Are you gonna go first? Cause mine are like really petty. Oh, mine are mine are dumb. Mine are. Mine are uh, probably dumber. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no. Sure. You. I don't oh, know. I don't know. You go first. You go first. Okay. As listeners probably know, Hannah is much better at springing random questions. So, um, <laughs> you'll just have to, <laughs> have to forgive me. So all of my questions relate to food because oh, you're that's Hannah. Okay. Okay. And um, so fun. they're like culinary. Oh. Okay. Number one, don't, and don't think about it too hard. Just okay. Like, boom. Yeah. Okay? okay. What is your favorite form of bread? Uh, uh, oh my god! I don't have one. I can't. I love it so much. I can't. I can't. <laughs> like. <laughs> so at the same time, I was like, sourdough, croissant, pretzel, bagel. Like they all like flooded into my head at the same time. I can't. <laughs> one doesn't emerge as a winner. Okay. Oh, oh, damn, that was, like, a really good question. I mean, like, <laughs> Hannah is, like, visibly distressed right now. <laughs> well, that was a good question. Okay, two. If you had to choose a food-related nickname for yourself, what would it be? Well, <laughs> I guess, like, I kind of have one. Um, <laughs> no, I Do mean, <laughs> no, just that my... So my Instagram handle, and this is going to sound like bizarre, but I'm just going to say it anyway. My Instagram handle is Miss Potato Crisp. So Crisp actually comes from just my surname. And Miss Potato is actually the name of a cat. What? <laughs> yes. So it's like there was this Australian clothing label that I really liked called Lover run by a husband and wife team. And they had this beautiful cat it was a british blue um anyway i really like that breed wait, 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 its like name was miss potato a real yes life cat. No, the real like, life pet was miss potato and that you was just his name. knew the owners of this no i didn't know them personally <laughs> i used to like collect these items from this i don't know when i was just even more stupid with money than now so <laughs> they had this beautiful cat its name was Miss Potato. So How did you know its name was Miss Potato? You I, asked. I think no. <laughs> I, read, I read an interview where oh. they talked about their cat and there was a picture of their cat. And um, so from then on, for some reason, Miss Potato would became like my username for a bunch of things. Ah. Yeah. And then you check on your last name. Yeah. Um... So I don't even know if that answers your question, but... So your favorite, so, okay, so your nickname is Miss Potato Crisp. It's not just Potato Crisp. No, but I guess it's, um... Oh, God, I sound like such a wanker, but I guess it's kind of also... It's kind of like a food-related name as well, you know? I do like Potato Crisps also. <laughs> okay, let, so let's, many layers let's continue. to that nickname. Yeah, let's, go, let's move on. <laughs> okay, final question, which is yeah. um, probably surprisingly the most boring of the three, which I didn't think would happen, but your most effective hangover food. Well, <laughs> I know about effective, but um, a few weeks ago when I was like, oh, it was really painfully hungover, mm -hmm. it, was, it was kind of unexpected. Um, <laughs> I had some, um, uh, so a friend got me some, um, Quaker's Oatmeal Squares cereal in the cinnamon flavor. She, <laughs> she brought them back from the US. Um, they're so, like, crunchy and kind of sturdy. I mean, that's not quite the right word for these Oatmeal Squares. Anyway, but they were just, like, really 
comforting somehow with like with cold milk. Mm-hmm. So um, that's like a really healthy hangover food. Oh well, kind of. It's like I felt like too ill to have like say a big like greasy fry up because uh, you know usually that's good, but yeah. No, when you're like like legit ill hungover and not just like not just like tired or you know anyway again this is this story is getting out of control but um that was effective that was kind of comforting and effective a couple of weeks ago <laughs> yeah good tip good tip okay. my questions are for you Uh, Now I'm kind of self-conscious about these questions. All right. Okay. So one, I've asked you this before, but I feel like I'm going to ask you again. If you had the option to to somehow just become white, would you take it? (laughs) Or would you have taken it when you were like a teenager? And would you take it now? (laughs) Um... You have asked me this question before, and then we went down this whole long discussion about, like, attractiveness, and, like, would I, like, and then you were like, you'd be the same level of attractive, you would just be white. Um, okay, so, well, actually, I think, in short, as a teenager, I probably would have taken your offer more seriously than I am now. Yeah. So I probably would have been more open and interested I don't know what I would look like if I would just look exactly the same, but my skin color was different, though. Um, but now, now I'd say no. no. Okay. I'd much rather look how I look. Cool. <laughs> um, okay, two, what is your spirit animal and why? Oh. <laughs> I feel like your questions are a lot more like... Really get like getting to know like, Ryan, and mine were just like stupid. Like, <laughs> no, I um carbohydrate I think questions. I interpreted the brief wrong. <laughs> um, I don't know. I've always liked owls. Oh, so probably I can see that. Probably an yeah. owl, I guess. They're cute and wise and quiet, loyal. <laughs> <laughs> I used to like have an unhealthy obsession with barn owls. What? Really? <laughs> I just thought they were like so, yeah, like really cute, but just like kind of odd looking and just like, just like really mysterious and I don't know, really beautiful. Aww. And yeah, met a few, went, went to like um, Birds of Prey shows and like got to like. Oh wow! Actually, like hold them and then, like yeah. Oh <laughs> <All> legit, like <laughs> obsession. <laughs> oh, that's so cute. <laughs> okay, three. Have you ever used dating apps, and what are your feelings about them? <laughs> yes, I have used uh, Tinder and this app called Her, which I don't know. It still exists. I think it still probably exists. What, what, what was the question? What were my feelings about them? Yeah, just generally. Um, I felt like I didn't know how to use them. Particularly, I didn't know how to, like, create a profile um, that would actually be, like, mildly interesting to anyone else. <laughs> um, and, yeah, I just found the whole, like, uh, expressing yourself on this, like, little platform to be, like, incredibly awkward. But... I did appreciate that it's really useful if you're introverted and shy and mm-hmm. um, have no queer dar whatsoever. It is really useful. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and ultimately super useful because I met my partner on one. <laughs> Just because I was talking to someone recently and they were like, I don't know, it, it seems really... Um, like, they didn't feel comfortable with the idea of, you know, dismissing a whole person in, like, a, sim- a single swipe and, like, likewise being dismissed themselves in a single swipe. And I, I don't know, it just kind of, like, struck me that... It just reminded me that apps like Tinder are kind of cold and ruthless in that way and it's like there's no way for them, obviously, to possibly 
capture our humanity, you know? <laughs> you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Adopted Feels Podcast, uh, or we're on Twitter at Adopted Feels. If you like what you hear, please rate and or review us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Other podcast presenters are really bubbly. Have you noticed that? Like really bubbly and enthusiastic. I feel like we do a pretty good job of that. Well, I feel like if another podcast host read out our regular intro, it would be... It would sound oh, yeah, like do this. it, do it, do it. <laughs> it would be like... <laughs> Hi, and welcome to Adopted Feels, a podcast about anything and everything adoption related. Today, we're talking to, like that, you know. That's we don't not usually. No. <laughs> <laughs> we usually do like. <laughs> hey guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like 20% of a regular host. <laughs>